As we start a new chapter in BYU history, Coach Kalani Sataki is the guy to lead us into the Big 12. There is no one else we would rather have to lead this program. I'm really excited about this opportunity to be the head coach and to have the stability that Tom mentioned. And this whole situation has never been about me. It's been about our program and uh, specifically about our players. As the Dean of Dreams will be realized with the Utah Utes headed to the Rose Bowl for the first time in program history, emphatic champions of the Pac-12 as they hammered the Ducks again. What we've been through this year is... is uh, you know, it's been the most difficult year of my coaching career in, man, in many respects. And uh, our guys and our leadership uh, couldn't have done it without those guys and the leaders and the seniors and the upperclassmen who did such a great job all season long of, of persevering. Uh, you know, our mantra after the tragedy was, you know, we're not going to get over it, but we'll get through it. And I believe our guys really did that. Perot to the outside. It's going to finish on a sack. Of course it does. Of course it does. to the right spot at the right time and just uh man just, the dudes deserve it you can see it on their faces they they came i knew they were gonna be ready and uh just hope that we played well and man they played lights out all three phases the special team shoes defense shoes offense scoring touchdowns this is that's uh it's a great day man great day bounce the pick and roll to royce kicks out to bogdanovich back to o'neill in the corner Donovan chest to Conley, blows by Allen, right-hand dribble. Jazz rotate around the outside. Donovan's left open with a three with two on the clock. And that is basketball put in the Louvre. That is something else right there. That's not even basketball 101, is it? That is in the Louvre, ladies and gentlemen. With us, it requires a lot of communication, what we do. I don't think a lot of teams, you know, whether it's on offense or defense, do what we do. I think we have a complex game plan on both ends, and I think it's to our advantage because we have such a tight-knit group. We can speak, we can talk, and continue to make adjustments on the fly. We have smart players as well. You know, a lot of that goes into it as well. So guys who understand how to make those adjustments, and then when you have bets. Like I said, guys who've seen it and done it on a bunch of occasions, you know, just continuing to have that communication. Welcome into the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope y'all are doing great on this Saturday morning. I'm Jay Catch, along for the ride as we go from 10 to noon on our uh, station here on the Zone Sports Network. The Saturday show is brought to you by our friends at Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for all of the tools that they need to complete their jobs. Find a location at mountainland.com. We have got morning basketball involving a local team. We got BYU taking on Creighton, literally just uh, tipped off at the Sanford Pentagon. And uh, Jeff uh, is uh, producing for us today. Eric and Jeff kind of are kind of split time as our producer on this. Now, Jeff, if I were to say the Sanford Pentagon, where would you think this location is? I have no idea. <laughs> They're playing Sanford. Pentagon. Yeah, I. I got I got nothing. The Sanford Pentagon is in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. That's where BYU and Creighton are squaring off this morning. So there you go. So 
Fun I'm sure times. they were so glad to be there to sightsee? Question mark? Absolutely. They got three different uh, three-point lines on the court there at the Sanford Pentagon. Really cool floor design. I'll give I was going to say, I, I actually do like that floor design. I definitely like the uh, turquoise color in it. That's, yeah, so nice. uh, we'll keep you updated on that. An early 3-2 to two lead for Creighton. BYU, of course, ranked number 24 in the country, off to an 8-1 and start. So we'll have updates throughout the show today for you guys on that game. But hope you all are doing great. The snowstorm has rolled through, and it's actually a really beautiful day out today uh, with sun shining. And it's not very warm out there, but nonetheless, hope you guys are doing great on Saturday, wherever you might be, whether you're just chilling at home, enjoying a brunch, you're out doing honey-do list, wherever you might be. Thanks for joining us here on the Saturday show. A really cool event, or I guess not. Is it an event if people are buying things? I, I don't know. Uh, the team store today here at the arena selling their collaboration design with Warren Lotus. And hopefully I got his name correctly. I would assume I did. I have no idea who he is. All I know is that apparently people have been camped out overnight. Yeah, so the line started forming at midnight last night, apparently. And it was sub-freezing last night. Trust me, I was out last night. And it was cold, folks. It was. I, I was walking around. I pulled out my phone. I've got a weather app, as most people do. And it said the temperature when I was out, and this is around, when was I outside? About 8, 30, 9 o'clock last night. I was out uh, running some errands. And it said the temperature was 19 degrees, but with the wind chill factor, it was sitting at 12. And you can only imagine, okay, that's three hours before this line here at the team store was started forming. That's a really Really cold night, and you are a dedicated fan. If you hung out for how I think it's a ten, it was ten hours. I think it, actually the store's opening right now to let people start buying that merch. I mean, I'd I'd do something crazy like camping overnight for something, but I don't know if I'd do that for. I mean, I never did that for Black Friday, that's for <laughs> sure. So I don't know if I do it for just getting some deals. Sure, and the, this new design, by the way, this Warren Lotus design, it's actually a really cool thing. It's a, it's a collaboration. He's a, a street artist by trade is the way I understand it. I was doing some research on this yesterday, just kind of trying to figure out who he was. Uh, he's a street artist, has a big presence on Instagram, and he has done a collaboration with the Utah Jazz using that Purple Mountain logo. You guys all know it from the late 90s, and it's been a ubiquitous part of jazz uh, team gear over the years since it came out in the late 90s, but I uh, did a design with that. And, yeah, if you if you are looking to pick up some of that, you want to get some designer merchandise uh, involving Warren Lotus and the Utah Jazz, well, you can probably scoot on down here. That line was quite sizable. Uh, all things considered, uh, Jeff's not kidding. There have be, been people camped out overnight for that gear. So kind of a cool event. Uh, you don't see this very often, a really cool collaboration between the Jazz and one of the better-known artists out there. Yeah, I until I got here this morning, I didn't know that that's what was going on. So I was like, <laughs> are people camped out for Jim Gaffigan? Like, what, oh, yeah, what's By the way, Jim Gaffigan's here. here. I forgot about that, too. Yeah, Jim Gaffigan had his uh, first show last night, correct? And he's got a second show tonight here at the arena. So a lot going on, folks. So we're gonna we're gonna step into the sports side of this uh, here just momentarily because we have plenty to talk about on today's show. Kalani Satake getting a new quote unquote unprecedented contract. We'll let you hear from him and Tom Homo. We'll also talk about the Utah Jazz. They are in action later today. They will be taking on the Washington Wizards as they round out uh, a road trip back east, looking to make it a four and zero road trip. We'll talk about that. We'll also get a little bit into Utah. A lot of postseason awards in the Pac-12 for the Utes that are very much well deserved. We'll also have some of our staples here on the show, including technical fouls, as well as uh, our five minutes of talking sake and everything in between. So. Thank you once again for taking the time to join us. Without further ado, let's get to our starter, I guess we call it, here on the show with What's the Big Deal? Do you know who I am? No, 
I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. Well, I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> That open will never get old. Ron Burgundy, by the way, just absolutely classic. Uh, all right, so starting off today's show, let's talk about the Utah Jazz for a minute. As mentioned, they were going to be in action tonight. Uh, Jeff is, of course, the executive producer of most of our jazz games here on the station, so he has a very close eye on this team. Uh, they're taking. Are you producing tonight, I'm assuming? Yep. Okay, I sure. got here at 8.30, and I'm not leaving until uh, 10-ish, 10.30. So. Full, full day for you, Full sir. day. Wow. All right. So they're taking on the Washington Wizards tonight. It'll be a 5 o'clock Mountain Time tip-off, 7 o'clock back there in Washington, D.C. The Utah Jazz sit at 18-7 and on the season. They're sitting on a six-game win streak as they take on the Wizards, who are a honestly surprising 15-11 and to start this year. I think most people, when they were doing their preseason predictions, did not see the Wizards being above 500. But they've had a pretty good start to their season, considering they were one of the teams that made a trade in the offseason. They sent uh, Russell Westbrook to the Los Angeles Lakers in exchange for guys like former Ute Kyle Kuzma. But Bradley Bill, Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, uh, also uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, he was a signing by them from the Brooklyn Nets. They've actually comprised a nice little, uh, I guess, quartet, I guess I have to say of players that have really helped Washington get off to a pretty solid start. They've faltered a little bit of late. They have not been as good as they were earlier on this season. Uh, they lost three before most recently beating the Detroit Pistons 119-116, and the Detroit Pistons are nothing to write home about because they're very much a, a franchise in full rebuild. They had the number one pick last year taking Cade Cunningham, who, by the way, if you've not seen Cade Cunningham play hoops, I would encourage you to take advantage of the opportunity to do so. Plays on a pretty brutal Pistons squad, but he is a very fun player. So the Washington Wizards, 15-11 and 11 on the year. Uh, they, like I mentioned, had lost three straight uh, before beating the Pistons in their most recent game. They'd lost to the Cavaliers, then they were on the road at the Raptors and at the Pacers, losing those games. But they are back home today taking on the Utah Jazz. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the Jazz do in this one because I think the Jazz have really found some – answers to some of the issues they had early on in the season. I, I On this program, I talked about earlier on in the year how it felt like the Utah Jazz, their three-point shooting was going to come around. This is too good of a shooting team to have had the shooting numbers that they had at different points in the early part of the season to have that continue. And the nice part is the Jazz have really found their stroke. They're starting to really shoot at a high clip from beyond the arc, and it's been evidenced by the fact that they're currently on a six-game winning streak. I go back to that Pelicans loss when they lost Devontae Graham hitting a three-pointer with, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't a buzzer beater, but it was just maybe like half a second left, and the Jazz fall in that game 98-97. to We can all think when they lost to the Pelicans on that Friday night how low Jazz Nation felt about this team. It just seemed like they were not going to, uh, they, they couldn't get out of their own way in certain circumstances. But since then, they're unbeaten. They beat the Pelicans like a drum the following night, 127-105. to 105. Then they take care of the Trailblazers, r- running the Trailblazers off the floor, 129-107. to 107. Then the Celtics come to town pretty much full strength, and the Jazz dispatch them, 137-130. to 130. And then the Cavaliers, they start the road trip in Cleveland. And that Cavaliers team, 
They're not going to be, I, I think, a uh, contender this year, but they've got a really nice young core of players. And the Jazz get out of there with a 109-108 to 108 victory. Some nice defense on the final sequence of that game last Sunday uh, by Rudy Gobert and the rest of the Jazz to prevent Darius Garland from really getting a good look, and they win that one 109-108. to 108. And in the most two recent games, they absolutely smash Minnesota Wednesday, 136-104. to 104. And by the way, Anybody who wants to go off and say that Kristaps Porzingis is the best rim protector in the NBA, they can get lost. Joe Ingles, I'm I sure I assume you heard he had a great comment oh, yes. about that the other night. Oh my gosh, I was losing my mind. It's so funny. It, it's absolutely classic. And okay, I try and give NBA players the benefit of the doubt. And Anthony Edwards is the one who made the comment saying that he felt like Kristaps Porzingis was the best rim defender in the in the NBA. Uh, Anthony Edwards. Christoph Porzingis isn't even in the top 10 of rim defenders in the NBA, in, in, my, in my opinion. Now, they take care of the Timberwolves, and for a team that like to talk a lot, Timberwolves got smoked by 32. And then the 76ers, yes, they don't have Ben Simmons. Uh, Joel Embiid missed part of the game before re-entering it. It seemed like he had a rib issue or something like that. But the Jazz absolutely smacked the 76ers 118-196, and now they have an opportunity to complete a pretty tricky road trip back east 4-0 today when they take on the Wizards. I think this is a, a really, really good run here for the Jazz. As I mentioned, the three-point shooting has come around. The more important thing, I think, in some aspects, or maybe in, in most aspects, is the fact that the defense has finally gotten back to its elite level. That's the fun part. Is This team is defending at a high level, and they're making life miserable for their opponents. They are making sure that they lock down opposing teams on the defensive side of the court. And it's something that we hear from Quinn Snyder often. And, and in his postgame comments, you could ask him about offense all day long. You know exactly where he's going to steer you back to. He's going to steer you back to defense. He talks all the time about defense turning into offense and the opportunities that their defense is going to give them to get the points on the run, out, out in transition, all that stuff. Right now, the Jazz are playing good hoop, and that's the fun part if you're a Jazz fan. Is right now, they are just absolutely making it fun. They're playing high-level hoops. Uh, their offensive rating and defensive ratings have reached, uh, I believe, it was, is it, Jeff, you know this better than I would. The offensive rating the past at least five games at least number one in the NBA. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. And they've been, I mean, upper 120s. And I, sure. think, I think the Celtics game was like a 130. It was something like it, like it was insane. The, the offense, yes. yeah, the ratings have been unprecedented. Yeah, like, they've been amazing. And then the defensive ratings have gotten right back up there too. If oh, they're, absolutely. If they're not number one. They're in the they're in the top three, I believe. And, yeah. But regardless, what the Jazz are doing right now is they are just absolutely going out there and obliterating teams. That's the fun part right now. They're just taking care of business. Yeah, that's the thing is that it's not just. I mean, earlier in the season, and people are always going to have stuff to say about the Jazz. Um, but yes. earlier in the season, there was oh such and such team was missing such and such a player or this team is not actually that good or yada 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 but now the jazz have been not just beating people but dismantling people who are at full strength yeah. some of these games on the road and it's like at some point like people need to give the jazz their due where it's like the the excuses for why why the jazz are winning are starting to run out they're just they're just winning because they're extraordinarily good yeah, well, okay, and to your point, earlier this season, they went to Milwaukee and won that game. And people were like, that's a big win. Well, Milwaukee wasn't at full strength. And still, Milwaukee's still not yeah, at full I strength. Yeah, I think in that game they were without... Um, Brooke Lopez didn't Brooke play. Lopez, Chris, Chris Middleton. Middleton. Yeah. 
So Drew, Drew Holiday, I think, was out that game. As Probably. Well. And wow. th- so that was a good win in Milwaukee because they're defending champs, all that stuff. But you can discount that one because Giannis and a bunch of whoever else over here was playing against the Jazz. There are other games in this, in this season that the Jazz have played against big-name opponents, but the teams have not been at full strength. Yeah, the first game against the 76ers earlier in the season was without Embiid. But yeah, now no they had Embiid, and yeah. we still beat him like a drum. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the fun part is right now the Jazz, as you mentioned, they're just dismantling their opponents. And the nice part is once they finish this game, so this is this road trip wraps up tonight in Washington, they're home for the next six games in a row. So beginning Wednesday through Christmas, the Jazz have six opponents here. They started off next Wednesday against the Los Angeles Clippers, San Antonio, Washington, Charlotte, Minnesota, Dallas. Okay, outside of the Clippers, the Jazz should win all of those games in my opinion. There, there's no game in there that I look at and say, you're not going to win that one. No, I I look at this, and the Jazz could find themselves on a very lengthy win streak. And if they do go out and take care of business in all of these games, you'd be talking about a Jazz team that's right back in contention for the number one seed after this run. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you've heard Locke talk on his broadcast, I mean, this Jazz team is historically good. Like, their numbers are historic. And so if people aren't paying attention to that, then they should be. They should be. Well, and okay, he brought that up yesterday with DJ and PK. He asked, he asked DJ the question, do you feel like you're watching a historic team right now? Like, histor- like in terms of statistics, like a historically good team. And DJ's answer was like, no. But Dave's like, no, they're on a historic pace right now in terms of just the overall metrics and the ratings they're on. And it's almost a good thing that they don't seem like a historic team because one, people will continue to underestimate them. And two, they will continue to remain humble because I can guarantee you Quinn does not care about where they are now <laughs> in the sense of no. the historic season doesn't matter unless uh-huh. playoff success. And yeah. so like they, I think it not seeming like it's at its best, even though the numbers indicate that it is, is just a good way for them to stay motivated and continue to grow and improve because you listen to their press conferences they don't say, oh, yeah, we're so grateful to be doing so well. They're like, okay, we can do this better. We can still improve on this. We've improved on this. That's good. Let's mm-hmm. learn from this. Like, they're still very much in, you know, they're they're not going to settle. Oh, no, no. And this is a veteran team. This is a team. And the nice part is this team's been around each other for a long, long time. You brought in guys like Hassan Whiteside, Rudy Gay, and they have fit in seamlessly with this team. But the core of this team has been together for a long time. And they know how they need to operate. So, a lot of fun on that front. Uh, one other thing we need to touch on, and we'll get back to the Jazz here in just a little bit. We'll talk more about this matchup with Washington and just the overall season to this point. But 25 games in, I, I think the Jazz, they're rocking and rolling right now. They've they've gotten through a bunch of those early season wobbles that I think a lot of ja- had a lot of Jazz fans questioning what this team was going to do. And right now, they're set up to have a nice long run here potentially of a lot of different wins. And the good news is they're winning in different ways. Uh, an update for you guys, by the way. Uh, Creighton 19, BYU 14, just over uh, just about halfway through the first half here up there in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Creighton shooting well. I haven't been able to watch every minute of this game so far, but 19 points in just over just under 10 minutes. That's pretty good offensive. So we'll keep you updated on that game. But let's talk a little more about BYU football here for a moment. Uh, BYU making a big announcement yesterday afternoon, giving Kalani Sitake what they're calling a new, and this is a quote, new unprecedented contract through the 2027 season. So this is technically a contract extension because Kalani Sitake had received a contract extension during training camp earlier this year that took him through the 2025 season. 
The way I read this, and I, I don't have any insider knowledge on this part of it, is that essentially I think BYU tore up his current deal and have given him a brand new deal that tacks on an extra two years onto his contract. So the good news for BYU at this juncture is that the BYU football program has their head man locked up and that unprecedented part of the contract, and we're going to play, you'll be able to hear Tom Homo, BYU athletic director, as well as Kalani Satake's comments coming up at the top of the 11 o'clock hour. The comments made yesterday by them indicate to me that they are finally investing on a unprecedented scale into this program. Sure, Kalani Satake is probably being paid the most that BYU's ever paid their head coach in football or any other sport. The good news is it sounds like they're investing in off-the-field matters, recruiting, nutrition, uh, all the different things that make a program go. For so many years, I would talk to people around the BYU football program, those who are very much more in the know than I am, and their complaints were the fact that they were doing a lot of things with, I don't want to say not adequate, but they were doing more with less. Let's put it that way. They were, they were getting by with resources that were more uncomparable with a G5 program versus being a Power 5 program, even though they were crowing all the time about the fact that they were Power 5 quality. Well, BYU now is a Power 5 program, and as such, they're going to be moving into the Big 12 in 2023. And the nice part is it sounds like at this juncture that BYU finally is putting money where their mouth is. We're a Power 5 program. Well, they're finally starting to pay that type of money to uh, give BYU, Kalani Satake, and his staff the opportunity to continue to build on the success they have had. This is a coaching staff led by Kalani Satake that has put up 21 wins against just three losses over the past two years. You cannot take that away from them. This is a top 15 ranked team in the college football playoff rankings. This is a top tier caliber program who, if you were to allow a guy like Kalani Satake, and there were reports out there linking him to USC, linking him to Washington. We heard the reports earlier this week that he actually did sit down and have an interview with the University of Oregon. You were going to short circuit a lot of the things that he had built momentum-wise if you were going to allow him to walk. And I am very glad that BYU, I think, realized we can't just let this go by the wayside. We can't expect to have what BYU is doing right now, just have that continue if we let the guy who has, helped, who has built it from the ground up, if we let him walk away, we're in trouble. And that's, I think, where BYU, to their credit— finally realized that, and it might have helped that Kalani was getting interest from these other programs over here to get them to spur some movement, but I'm glad just ultimately they finally figured it out and they have taken care of Kalani Satake. Yeah, I think one of the most important things about having success in any sport at any level, it's not just about having the right players or the right coach. It's about having everybody buy in, Yeah, and I feel like the players, the coaching staff, Everybody buys into what Kalani has been doing, the way he has been doing it, and that's not something that you can practice. You can't practice into buying into it. Like you can to a degree, but like sure. that takes time. And and Kalani has worked to build the trust and the love of of the players. You know, Kalani talks a lot about about love and about family. And from the outside, people might be like, "Uh, oh, yeah, that's just kind of, you know." easy talk but it's it's true it's really how he, he run things and i really believe that that's why everybody's so committed to him which allows them to be committed to the program and 
the way that they've been able to succeed. Well, and that that's the thing. I actually really like how you said that. The infrastructure, the buy-in, the, the just everybody coming around. If you were to pay attention to social media from the BYU players this week, they guys like Kingsley Suamataya, the big five-star transfer they brought in from the University of Oregon. I think he said something to the effect that if Kalani Satake goes, we go. Like that, they they are bought into what he has built. They're bought into these coaches. Trust me, I've had enough conversations with folks around that program who cannot say enough good things about what Kalani Satake has done. Did he have his early struggles? Absolutely. You have a four and nine season, one of the worst seasons in 50 years that BYU has had. Trust me, there were all kinds of red flags and question marks. But to Kalani Satake's credit, and he went out, he made a change on his offensive staff. He completely gutted his offensive staff. He fired Ty Detmer, folks. He fired Heisman Trophy winner, a beloved son of the BYU football program, brought in Jeff Grimes, Aaron Roderick, and the entire crew offensively, and they, piece by piece, built this into what it is right now. The good news is right now, BYU, they have another season before they go to the Big 12, and the schedule next year, and we're going to talk about this a little later on in today's show. I'm going to delve into this. I was having a conversation actually with Eric yesterday. He actually reached out to me because he, he loves to talk about stuff like this. He was looking at the schedule and there's no reason BYU shouldn't win nine-plus games next year. And that's the truth. They're going to bring back a lot of the bodies that led the success of last year going 11-1. and They're currently 10-2 and right now with a very strong chance, a chance a week from today to make it another 11-win season. Who's to say they couldn't have three 10-plus win seasons as they roll into the Big 12 in 2023? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the other part of it is getting ready for the Big 12. You, like, if you don't think, think that Kalani's the guy then you want to get someone yeah. with a season before you go into the Big 12 so you can kind of work out the kinks yep. but if you believe that Kalani's the guy you don't want to get rid of him right before you go to the Big 12 and to BYU's credit they realized that they could not afford to have this guy go and be in Eugene be in LA be, be wherever and the thing is there's a lot of flirtations right now with Oregon right now are they going to go get Chip Kelly well trust me the thought was okay if Oregon gets Chip Kelly to go from UCLA. What's to stop UCLA from coming right back around and UCLA being another team that says, we've talked with BYU and blah, blah, blah. BYU got the deal done. And their guy, their head man is locked up. They've got an unprecedented amount of investment into this program right now. And that should lead to continued success for BYU. And some good signs coming out of Provo right now. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll get back into some of the other topics we have at hand today. We do need to talk about the University of Utah. A lot of postseason awards uh, coming from the Pac-12 Conference their way, and all of them deserved as they are the Pac-12 champions. More on the Jazz, a whole lot more, so stay tuned. This is the Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network. It's the weekend! It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show. Can't wait, can't, can't, can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Thank you for joining us. The Saturday show is brought to you, and the title sponsor of the show is our friends at Mountainland Supply. Appreciate them being along with us. And BYU's in trouble, folks. <laughs> Talking about BYU basketball. 
excuse me, uh, we've been tracking this game, but uh, Creighton currently on a 12-0 scoring run over the, nearly three minutes, and they're absolutely pounding BYU right now, 36-19. Uh, Mark Pope and his squad going to have to figure some things out. Uh, this is the type of game, and I, I'm, we're going to get to Utah football here in just a moment, but uh, BYU basketball this year, they have lost Richard Harward, six foot 11, 250-pound uh, man in the middle, as well as Gavin Baxter. So their top two post players are both done, at least for the foreseeable future. There's still some hope uh, that Richard Harward will get himself cleared, but he's dealing with some cardiovascular issues that have him out indefinitely. Gavin Baxter suffering a third season-ending injury, and in, I believe – three years, so three straight seasons have been cut short due to injury, and the Cougars' lack of size is absolutely going to kill them, I feel like, this season. And they've been getting by. They out-rebounded Utah State, who's a very good rebounding team on Wednesday night at the Marriott Center, but in this game right now against Creighton, who's got all kinds of size, their big man in the middle, I think, is 7-1. They've got forwards 6-8 and 6-9. BYU does not have a lot of guys who can match up size-wise with Creighton's team, and right now, uh, Creighton handed it to BYU. Alex Barcelo just scoring a bucket to end the uh, scoreless drought for the Cougars. But yeah, BYU is up against it here. And this is kind of the game I think a lot of basketball fans in the state wondered when it was going to come for BYU. Their lack of size getting them in trouble. And right now on the court, I'm looking at BYU. Their tallest player on the court right now might be 6'6". So they're going to have to figure some things out. We'll keep you updated on that game. All right, let's talk a little bit about Utah right now. A total of 13 Ute football players were named to uh, 2021 AP All-Pac-12 teams. Those were announced Friday by the Associated Press. Junior linebacker Devin Lloyd and head coach Kyle Whittingham took home two of the top four awards. Uh, Lloyd is tabbed as the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, as he should have been. There was a lot of talk all season long that people were just going to overlook that Kayvon Thibodeau didn't have the statistical season. He's he's the best pure draft prospect. That's why he's going to win Pac-12 player. No, no. You go based on the play. Devin Lloyd won that award because of his play on the field. He was first in the Pac-12 in tackles for loss on the season with 22. Uh, top five in the league in sacks with eight on the season and total tackles with 106. He also ties for the lead among linebackers in the football bowl subdivision ranks in total interceptions with four and is just one of two linebackers nationally that scored multiple pick sixes this season. Additionally, Lloyd is the only pl- uh, is one of the only players in FBS to have 20 or have that more than 20 tackles for loss and four or more interceptions. So deserving of this award for Devin Lloyd. Uh, it sounds like that he will be going to the NFL after this season. I'd be stunned if he didn't. And he is going to be a top 10 pick. I, I truly believe you are going to see Devin Lloyd be taken in the top 10 of the NFL draft. He is everything you want in a prospect when it comes to a linebacker. Size, speed, physicality, production. He's got it all. He is the complete package, and he's yet just the latest in an incredible long run of Kyle Whittingham-led defenses having top-tier NFL draft prospects. So a lot of good things happening for Devin Lloyd. But in addition to that, Kyle Whittingham was named the unanimous Pac-12 Coach of the Year well-deserved as well. as The Utes uh, won the Pac- their first-ever Pac-12 championship. It also became Utah's all-time wins leader, now with 144 wins in his back pocket. Uh, won the Pac-12 title in just in his 11th season 
with the conference. Led the Utes now to what they sit at 10-3 and right now, 8-1 and in conference play, winning the Pac-12 South Division title, and then obviously dominating Oregon to win the Pac-12 championship. They're headed to the Rose Bowl, and Kyle Whittingham, had he not been named Pac-12 Coach of the Year, I would have been as stunned as anybody. It's, a, it's just an absolutely incredible accomplishment for him. That, but that's Those are the top two awards, I think, for the Utah football program, but it does not stop there. Utah was well-represented on both sides of the All-Pac-12 teams. Uh, seven players being named first-team offense and defense. Sophomore running back Tavion Thomas, who is tied for the nation's lead with 20 rushing touchdowns this year, was first-team running back. Offensive linemen uh, Braden Daniels and Nick Ford were first-team honorees. And junior Britton Covey uh, was tabbed on the all-first-team all offense. And by the way, just a note on Britton Covey, he announced yesterday that he is going to forego his remaining eligibility and enter the NFL draft. It's been a long, long run for Britton Covey, but at the same time, we wish him well. He's going to go out on top with Utes playing in the Rose Bowl and then go pursue his uh, fortunes in the NFL and beyond that. I can tell you this much. Britton Covey, if and when he decides that his football playing career is over, that is a young man who is going to be a highly successful football coach if that is the avenue that he pursues. If he wants to pursue something else, he wants to go into private business or something, he's going to have success in whatever he does it in his life. I truly believe that. He is a top-rate human being, and he has done absolutely incredible things for this community, for the Utah football program, and he does it all while being quite possibly the smallest player on the field in any given game he's playing in. So, Pretty incredible accomplishment on that. Defensive side of the football, uh, defensive end Mike, Mika Tafua, junior linebacker uh, Devin Lloyd, and Nephi Sewell were all first-team defense. And then on the second team, quarterback Cam Rising, offensive guard Sataoa Laumea, tight end Brant Keithy, defensive tackle junior Tafuna, cornerback Clark Phillips III, and senior safety Vontae Davis were all second-team honorees all of them deserving, and Utah led the Pac-12 with 13 honorees on both of those teams. UCLA coming in a distant second with nine uh, players mentioned on that team. So this is a really, really cool thing to see Utah getting their, uh, getting their due. This is a program who accomplished a lot. They overcame a lot. You lose two of your teammates uh, to tragic uh, incidences in the, inside of a calendar year. This team easily, and I felt like this is how the season was going to go one way or the other, is you were either going to fold up shop and just get through the season after losing Aaron Lowe, or they were going to rally around one another and figure things out. And to their credit, they figured things out. 8-1 and one in conference play. They have punched their ticket to the Rose Bowl where they will take on Ohio State. And if I if and if social media is any intera- indication, not interaction, if there are any indication out there on social media – uh, Ohio State fans are going to be outnumbered there in the Rose Bowl on January 1. I am expecting, what, 20, 30, 40,000 Utah fans to be there in the Rose Bowl on January 1st celebrating the Utes playing in, in that bowl game. It's an absolutely incredible accomplishment uh, for the Utah football program. They have really, I think, uh captured the hearts and minds of this state. And that's not to say, by the way, that BYU and Utah State haven't done plenty of good things in their own right. We have th- we have three 10-win teams in this state this year, folks. We have the Pac-12 champion in the Utah Utes. We have got the 10-3 and Utah State Aggies, who just absolutely obliterated 
all of the expectations for them as they won the Mountain West Conference title in Blake Anderson's first year. And we already talked about BYU. They're a top 15 ranked team right now. This has been one of the banner years for football in the state of Utah this year, and they have been absolutely deserving of any and all honors coming their way. So congratulations to Kyle Whittingham and the Utes. Congratulations to Blake Anderson and the Aggies. And congratulations to Kalani Sitake and the Cougars. They have absolutely just made football uh, front-page news all season long. That's the fun part is at different points during the season, you felt like any one of these programs is going to falter. BYU had a two-game losing streak midway through their slate. Uh, Utah State, look in any given game, they could get boat raced, but they just found a way to continue to rally and figure things out. And Utah, to their credit, after a disappointing start to their season, starting 1-2 and two in non-conference play, just reeled off eight conference wins. They went 8-1 and one in the Pac-12. It's been absolutely incredible to be along for the ride this football season, and I, for one, don't want it to end. We are a week away from watching Utah State and BYU uh, in actually back-to-back contests wrap up their season in bowl games, BYU playing in the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana, and then Utah State playing in the uh, Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel uh, uh, sponsoring the new bowl game there at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, or more appropriately, Inglewood. And then January 1. We get to celebrate as Utah plays in the Rose Bowl, playing in Pasadena in front of a capacity crowd. Uh, Jeff, I know you grew up in a cold weather uh, area of this country. It was New Hampshire. Is that where you grew up? Yes. Okay. So you grew up in cold weather. I did oh, yeah. too. I'm a, I'm a Utah boy. Did you watch the Rose Bowl growing up? And PK's told this story all the time on DJ and PK. He grew up in New Jersey, and he said he'd wake up on January 1, he'd turn on the TV for the Rose Bowl, and there's just this picture of what seemingly is heaven on earth. 70 degrees, people wearing shorts and short sleeve shirts on January 1, sun is shining, and they're playing football. And he said, I want to be there. Did you have that same type of experience? Because I can, I can attest I have had that experience myself. See, I mean, for one, I, I only really watched BYU growing up. I didn't really watch other college college football, to be 100% honest. But, I mean, I love the cold, so I never really saw images of warm. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you show me a a picture of a beach in the freaking um, Bahamas, Uh you know, I'm going to be like, all right, let's go. But if you just show me like, oh, don't you wish you were in California in the middle of winter? No, I love the snow. I will fully take the blame for the snow that we've been getting in Utah because I've been the one who's been asking for it. Send all of your hate to Jeff, whatever your Twitter handle is. Jeff Fafa. Still haven't changed weird. it. Still need to. But <laughs> hey, now it works in my favor because my Twitter handle is unbearable. Now nobody knows what to tweet at me okay, to get mad at me. Not that, I mean, this is probably not something that's a good thing for me to proclaim over the air, but I don't, I'm not very active on Twitter, which, you know, that's in okay. sports I should be. Um, and so I don't really think I have enough followers to uh, have people be adding me for any of my opinions. At J-E-F-F-F-A-F-A underscore B-C. Send all your hate mail to Jeff Hanson. Not Jeff Hanson. <laughs> Jeff Hanson works for Cougar. Jeff Carroll. My apologies, Jeff. My I was going to say, don't. Uh, were you about to say Jeff Hanson works for Cougar Board? Because if people think I work for Cougar, Cougar Board. Cougar then, Sports Insider. Okay. I was going to say, so. don't, don't give me the Cougar Board hate because I know there's a lot of that. So I don't need that. So you're the guy that is the guy that's out there celebrating the fact that we're getting dumped on with snow. And we need the snow. Let me be clear about that. But I'm the type of guy, if it wants to snow in the mountains, great, but keep it off the valley floor. That's just me. But uh, I am a guy who I see the San Gabriel Mountains, I see the Rose Bowl, and I just see that image on January 1 and just think, 
That is beautiful. And any Utah fan, if you have the means to do so, go enjoy this game. It is going to be one of those accomplishments for the Utah football program that you need to take advantage of because who knows how long before Utah makes a run back to the Rose Bowl. And I'm not saying that they can't make a run at it next year or they can't do it in the next two or three years, but this is an accomplishment. It's the first time Utah's playing in the Rose Bowl. So if you have the means to do so, go and celebrate this. It is an absolutely incredible accomplishment for uh, the Utah football program. And uh, we'll be, of course, getting you ready for it. I know that we are sending a small army of folks down there to California for this. PK is going down. Uh, the guys from Unrivaled are going down. Uh, Trevor Allen from KSLSports.com. We are now aligned with KSL Sports. I mean, a really, really fun environment down there in Pasadena. All right. Well, uh, so congratulations overall to all 13 Utah players as well as Kyle Whittingham on those awards. And as I mentioned, that football season has flown by. It's been a really fun year here in state and looking forward to having it continue at least one more game for all of these teams. All right. More in a moment. We'll get to technical fouls coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. You're going to hear from Tom Homo as well as uh, Kalani Satake about his new deal as the head coach of the BYU football program. So a whole lot more to get to ahead on today's edition of the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, office. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday show. Running out the first hour of the program here with one of our staples here on the show. It's uh, This is a staple on this show that outlasts, uh, outdoes me in terms of my length of hosting this show. This goes back to the heyday of the Saturday show. We call it technical fouls, rewarding people for uh, being dumb in sports or just stupid things happening. Uh, let's start off with this, and I'm going to call it technical foul on COVID-19. It's a technical foul on COVID-19 for a myriad of different things, but... Uh, do you know who Nav Batia is, by the way, Jeff? I can't say that I do. Okay, so he is the uh, like the Raptors superfan, the Toronto Raptors superfan. This is a guy who, when they won their NBA championship a couple of years ago, he was given a ring, if I'm not mistaken. He has never missed a home game in Toronto in 26 years since the Toronto Raptors were founded as an NBA franchise. He is quite literally a superfan of superfans. He is going to miss his – he's never left the game early. And he went through some awful, awful iterations of the Toronto – he's never left the game early. He's been to every home game. He will not – he missed his first game uh, due to COVID-19. Yeah, he missed his first game in person. He'll be watching at home. Uh, he had recently attended Masai Ujiri's Giants of Africa event in Toronto, which led to some attendees po- testing positive for COVID-19, including Masai Ujiri, who is the vice president of the Toronto Raptors. And Batia um, had to self-isolate as a result of that event. That sucks because this guy, 26 years, to have a streak ended due to this, man, that's never fun. I'd be like, put me in a hamster ball, roll me in. <laughs> I can still make it. Yeah, so one of those things, a uh, technical foul on COVID-19, because Nav Bhatia, this dude, he's a legend. He, 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 I believe he worked, he owned an auto dealership or something like that, and he's been with the Raptors through thick and thin. So 
That sucks. All right. Anyways, you said you had a technical foul here, and I think this one we need to talk about. Go ahead. Yeah, I do. So um, last Sunday was the Major League Soccer Eastern Conference Final between New York City FC and the Philadelphia Union. Philadelphia Union had 11 players, six of them who were normal starters, who were out with MLS health and safety protocols, which... So I think the fact that that technical foul on COVID nineteen again. Yeah, so technical foul, yeah, so technical foul on COVID nineteen and technical foul on whoever's decision it was to go forward with that game. Like, don't get me wrong, in in any sport, there's always going to be injuries. People get sick. These things happen. But eleven players, six starters out in MLS uh, health and safety protocols. It quite frankly it was just not fair to that for that game to to not be postponed. And I stand by what I said to you off air is that I think if it was a bigger team, like an LA Galaxy, then that game gets postponed. Possibly. Uh, and MLS Cup is today, right? Yeah, it's today at 1 o'clock so it, uh, Portland, Mountain Time. Portland hosting NYCFC, yep. correct. correct. Yeah. And so many people are so happy. They're like, well, at least it's not in a baseball stadium because oh. New York City plays in Yankee Stadium, which I unpopular opinion because i've i've actually been there to yankee stadium for a new york city game and i i had a great time i enjoyed it well yeah the 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 situation it was not ideal on so many different fronts but i'm with you and uh, okay one other thing let me add this caveat to it if it were a bigger sport too yeah yeah, mls mls is growing in popularity be very clear about this but it's still for most sports fans in this country, it is considered a minor league sport, even that though is, it's, it's top-level yeah. professional. Yeah, that is true. I, I mean, heck, we're in Utah, and most people here probably don't even know that RSL has an MLS Cup. Fair enough. That's a good point. All right, so that, that technical foul on that. And then the final thing here, um, okay, I don't know where the technical foul lies on this, but we need to talk about it. The fake slide is now dead in college football. Kenny Pickett a week ago, uh, the, the quarterback for the Pitt Panthers, and by the way, he is a Heisman Trophy finalist, very much deserving of this. Well, he set the college football world on fire by taking off on a scramble against Wake Forest, made it look like he was going to uh, slide, and then kind of like deked himself, and uh, the, all three Wake Forest defenders who were converging on him all stopped because they thought he was going to slide. He's going down. Well, he faked him out, and then he runs to the end zone for a touchdown. It's called, They're calling it the picket slide, a fake slide. It's a play that I get why he did it, because it was within the rule, the, the rule book. It's by the letter of the law. It was a legal play. I don't like it at all, because it's, it's cheap. It's cheap. It's cheating to me, because these players are taught— when that guy acts like he's going down, you don't touch him or you get 15-yard penalty and you're in trouble. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you because not only worrying about the penalty, but also also just for safety reasons. I was going like, to say, that, and this is where the real thing comes in. Another quarterback tries this. You, you know coaches saw this play, went right to the defensive players and said, any guy who tries this, lay him out. Take his head off. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. So the I'm glad, and the NCAA, their uh, the the what are they? Their committee, their competition committee, has come out and already declared this this play. Any player who acts like they're giving themselves up, the play is dead right there, as it should be. Yeah, like in theory, it is a smart idea, mm-hmm. but for the safety, it 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 
I completely agree. You it, were it you were going to see a quarterback get his head take, taken off if this if this were to continue. Yeah, that's that's how people get their careers ended. Is, yeah. is tackling on a situation like that. Yeah. So uh, NCAA football officials, national coordinator Steve Shaw, said in this bulletin, it says anytime a ball pl- player of ball carrier, excuse me, begins, simulates, or fakes a feet first slide, the ball should be declared by the f- football field officials at that point. The intent of the rule is player safety, and the objective is a ball player an option to end the play by sliding feet first to avoid contact. To allow the ball carrier to fake a, uh, to fake a slide would compromise the defense that is being instructed to let up when the ball carrier slides feet first. A fake slide will not be considered a reviewable play under this rule 12-3-3, dead ball and loose ball, but I'm glad they handled it. Credit to Kenny Pickett because it was a cool play, but it's also cheap at the same time. So, I don't know. It was a technical foul on the fact that that was in the rule book and not something they addressed. I don't know where it lies. So... There you go. That's technical fouls for this week. All right, coming up here in just a minute, you're going to hear from Kalani Sitake as well as Tom Homo. They both addressed the media together yesterday after Kalani Sitake inked his new unprecedented contract, as BYU termed it. We'll let you hear from Tom and Kalani as they explain what makes this new deal unprecedented for the BYU football program as you kick off hour number two of the Saturday show brought to you by our friends at Mountainland Supply coming up next right here on 97.5 FM and 1280 AM.